Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, and computer science academics. We highlight people with a passion for educating our youth in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPA iRadio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. Okay, Ron. Hey, this is Ron. Okay, uh, the show is starting. Um uh, right now, we haven't heard from. Uh, so we have Lexima on the line, uh, Tim, mm-hmm. and myself. Yes. And uh, Tim, it looks like we're waiting. So uh, could you start with Lexima? Happy to. Okay. All right. All right, Tim. So good evening, BDPA family. Welcome, and I'm so glad you're able to listen in tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking with. Janos Lexima. She's a senior IT specialist and former BDPA member. She's a founder of Women of Change, WOC. WOC advocates for women to combat inequality on a global scale. So while cultivating young females to end generational poverty and inequality through the 21st century training, Janos is also on a mission to curb poverty rate for the next generation through STEM training for poor girls. She's currently visiting the poorest schools in America. She seeks to cultivate a generation of untested minds, ready for knowledge, and to build their character, because they're going to need it to be successful in America. Tonight, BDPAI Radio listeners, let's together learn about her passion, successes, and the challenges as she moves forward with WOC. Now, I had a little chat with her prior to going on, so if she doesn't mind, I'm going to refer to her as Lexima. And BDPA, BDPA Radio audience, uh, let's have a conversation. So good evening, Lexima. How are you? Good evening. I am great. Thank you, Ron. Excellent. This is Tim talking to you. Tim, I'm sorry. Let's up a little bit. It's all good. It's all good. Ron introduced us, and Tim's now going to have a conversation with you. And uh, the radio audience would love to know more about you. So let's start with the small talk. And... Where did you first find out about BDPA, and what attracted you to have this conversation with us tonight? I first found out about BDPA after I graduated college. I was looking for a place where I not only could find a network that I could be part of, technology in particular, uh, I started doing some research, and it turns out that I came across BDPA as I was volunteering for an organization in D.C., which is a which provides uh, computer training to low-income adults. So through that, I was able to connect with BDPA, and I 
since then stay connected because through the network of folks that I've met through the conference I actually attended in Charlotte. And I stayed in touch. I moved back in 2006 or 2007 after that conference, and I've stayed in touch with everybody until today. Okay. So I'm hearing you say that it wasn't the web presence, but perhaps it was even someone recommending, hey, give a call to the DPA. They might be in tune with some of the things you're doing. Do I understand yeah. correctly? It, it was actually through the web. I was doing my own okay. research. And I came across the DPA actually. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, just so we can be specific so everyone knows, I'm calling you and chatting with you, and I'm in Houston, Texas. Where are you located tonight? I'm in Washington, D.C. Okay. How's the weather in D.C. tonight? It's very nice. Very nice. Very good. Yeah. Now, Houston, of course, yeah. it's hot and humid. So I would welcome some nice uh, Atlantic breezes. Cause I'm down here Maybe in two months we can switch. Okay, we'll do that. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> well, I'm excited to interview you and find out more about you, and we are all wanting to know more highlights about your bio and your background. So you mentioned how you first found out about the organization and involved with BDPA engaged because of the things you're already passionate about. So you're passionate and I'd love to know more from your own mouth to our ears about the current things that you're doing and the responsibilities that you've taken on. Sure. My current responsibility or position as the founder of Women on Change is not only from the startup stage to make sure everything from the planning to the execution, making sure the right board members, the right team is on board from the volunteer, but more importantly, making sure the right partners come together to help support the mission of the community that we're trying to help. But ultimately, my role is to make sure all these parts come together in a beautiful way, though starting in a very chaotic way. But my goal is to make sure smoothly they all come together and actually work smoothly. Okay. You said have them all come together in a beautiful way. Now, and I've read the description of the ambitious activities that you're involved in, going out to the poorest of schools, looking for the talented people that otherwise haven't been exposed to some of these things that they need to be exposed to, and you're trying to pull from them this, this vast intellect. Tell me how you go about doing that and how your passion translates into technology and accessing this, this audience. Sure. Um, I can speak from my background a bit. Having grown up and having grown up poor, having been exposed to technology and being fascinated by it, one thing for me and being a curious minded, one thing that I really enjoyed when I discovered well, first I discovered a computer and then later on I found the whole online side of it. <laughs> so I was okay. excited by that part. But having gone through that and then now looking at how far that I've come because of that exposure that I've had, I also realized that there are so many kids like myself who are craving that exposure and cannot find it. So I, my job is not only... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Did you say there are people craving this, but they don't know where to find it? Yes, absolutely. I, and I was one of these folks. That's how I find out BDPA. 
while I was able to have the access and search and, and come to this point where you and I are having this conversation, some folks do not have that privilege. So my goal is not only do I go into communities that would not otherwise either have a computer at home, but more importantly, being exposed to what's out there beyond their communities or even within their communities that they are not aware of. So not only do I go out there and look for these, um, I, I call them hungry minds, but I yeah. also make sure that the, the right folks are around to make sure that we can support these hungry minds. So that that passion for me it is what one the technologies ha the technology has enabled me to do. But now, how do I bring it to others who not only can benefit from it, but can also be mentors to their communities and beyond their communities, so they can make sure that I call it the digital divide trend is 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 uh, closing. Um, yeah. So so that's how I came to this stage where I decided a startup would be the right way to do that. But more importantly, while a startup is is a startup stage, I think it's more important yeah. to find the right folks, the right environment where you can actually do this in a bigger scale. Mm, okay, and I see that you are a founder or the founder of Women of Change. That's right, Women and on Change. Mission, Women on Top of Change. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I stand corrected. Thank you. Women right. on change, women on top of change. That's that right. being the case, <laughs> yeah, that being the case, you have a very targeted audience. I do. And you have a very specific mission. How's that going so far? So far, it's, uh, let's just say it's going, but part of smooth going, it's not quite there yet. It's it's um it's a challenge one not only to bring the, the that target audience but two to bring the right resources to support that target audience. So that continues to be a challenge. However, I'm hopeful because as I continue to share what the vision is and more importantly bring the right folks to from a team perspective to support that. Um, I think through through making sure we have these pieces together, we can bring the right partners and we can bring the right uh, communities of need who actually need this. So as far as how that's going, um, it's it, I would have to say at this stage is actually going pretty well in terms of part of it too is it's building those relationships, and okay. I, I think. Yeah, building that relationship and making sure one not only is build a relationship, people understand what this is all about, but more importantly, that they can trust that you are there to do this work. You're not just going to come by for a year or two, but we here to tell the communities that we're looking to help. We are here for the long haul. Okay, so that actually leads me to something was in the back of my mind. Are you? Is your initiative a national initiative or a local initiative? Currently, it's a local initiative. Our goal ultimately is to make it a global initiative. I would certainly say your mission is ambitious and is definitely targeted in the proper way. And having the forum with us here at BDPA this evening, I know it's going to catch the ear of other people. So you say the word and there will probably be people that are be pinging you on LinkedIn, et cetera. Yes, she is on LinkedIn. And wanting to know more about your organization and how they perhaps can collaborate with you via acting locally but thinking globally. Excellent. 
I love that. And um, I welcome it. I've been searching for it. And I appreciate this platform to be able to share it to a bigger audience. And and please do reach out to me, and we do need you. So tell me a little bit about as you engage with this audience, they're potentially, because some of us on the listening audience tonight have acted as mentors, some of us have acted as protégés or mentees, and mm-hmm. oftentimes, as you alluded to, sometimes there is a gap. We know that there is a gap in the digital divide, but even in having the trust of knowing someone's going to come in and show me the ropes or put me in front of a computer or show me different things. We have a specific curriculum with BDPA, but we don't always even get a line out the door of students interested in that. How do you maintain the engagement with the students, and how do you keep it moving along and you know keep keep it sustaining? How do you sustain that? Yeah, so part of it part of staying engaged is is making sure that not not only from the mentor perspective, but you're always checking in, right? Um, we we keep we, we we keep people engaged. Though we are still looking for the right environment to bring our programs or make sure our partners and the children we are trying to help are connected to the right sources. But we keep them engaged through a number of things. Our work in the community, for example, I, I've been always been a volunteer. I continue to volunteer within the community from sharing. It could be a particular um, skills or information that's happening within the community. Um, that's part of the engagement. I I call it engaging within your community and beyond your community. Yeah. And another way too is, as you mentioned, BDPA also has a way of making this happen. How, how do I work with BDPA or a partner of BDPA, for example, Milt Hayes? who's based in uh, Chicago, for example. I had a conversation with him recently where we talked about some programs that he's currently offering. How can I bring it to this environment? So it, it's part of that networking. It, it's, yeah. it's having that network and sharing what's happening, but more importantly, keeping them in the know of what's happening. So it, it's a continuous thing that keeps going. Excellent. Excellent. You've shared with us a wonderful platform, mission statement, as well as founded an organization, and you definitely are in there at the grassroots level making things happen. That being the case, that being you're working with the STEM environment, what lessons have you learned that you'd like to share with the BDPA iRadio audience? One of the lessons that I've learned in the STEM environment is one, from not only from a country but as well as personal or educators, we we do a great job of telling folks, hey, this is an environment where the future is going, right? But we don't necessarily do a good job in terms of making sure that the right folks who actually can benefit from this start at, at, at an age or at the right level to make sure that they continue to be in that environment. So as someone who has been in STEM and very much interested in in staying in it, and part of the reason I'm starting this organization, I feel like it's time that we take a step back, not only knowing that this is a a competitive um, advantage from a country perspective, but part of it is how do we make sure we develop our folks, our young kids, it could be girls, boys, whatever that that demographic or uh, 
that may be. But ultimately, you bring the tool, but let's make sure that this tool is not only used for a job or for you know, getting into a particular area, but also educate folks who are one, trying to get in this environment, and once they are in it, teach them that this is a tool that can be leveraged across different industries. And I don't think, I don't think as someone who's been in STEM or someone who at least had experience working with different leaders, um, and for something that we're pushing now very much in this country. We need to do a better job doing that, and I think we are aware of that, and I think we are working towards that. And I, I think that's something for me. One lesson I would say is, don't just go into STEM because you want a great job. Go into STEM because you want to diversify where you take it, where you take it. Because not because you can program, that doesn't mean you have to stay as a programmer. There are so many ways that you can leverage those skills to walk or work across the, the different industries. Um, I, I would love to say that one of the lessons for me at this stage is how do we make sure we use STEM as a tool that we can not only market for, hey, this is something that's beyond our environment, but also something that you can take and lead with it. You don't necessarily have to go to a company uh, to get the experience that you need. As you learn it, you can also gain some of the experiences that you need to succeed down the road. So I'm hearing you say that because of the accessibility of technology, people don't necessarily have to be a computer professional or an engineer to still embrace STEM. No, you do not. And I think that's the whole notion. And I think that's one yeah. of the challenges, particularly for women and girls. Uh -huh. If that, or if that uh, audience is disenfranchised, I think it's a great message, and I'm sure the radio audience would agree, that, one, you're enlightening people to what's already right there at their fingertips and let, making them aware just because you're out there and you're using it but not taking advantage of it, there's some control there that they maybe need to take upon themselves, some empowerment, a great empowerment opportunity. Am I correct? Yes, Tim. You are absolutely in that. Okay. I love the fact, and I'm so glad that you're here with us this evening to share the mission and the accomplishments of the organization and the things that you're doing. It's great. And uh, as you mentioned before, having a forum with us because we all are, in fact, doers of the uh, bridging of the digital divide, it's great for us to be able to talk together. And you've shared a couple of lessons with us. Now, I'm curious, thoughts that you have as far as the BDPA audience specifically and your organization specifically, how do you see that collaboration looking or what's happened up to this point? Can you repeat that again? I, I missed the point where you Sure, I'll be, I'm, I, and I tend to be wordy. I apologize. You you became engaged with us. Mm -hmm. What would you love to see happen because of conversations like we're having tonight? What I would love to happen, knowing how I discovered BDPA, I w it would have been great to see that BDPA was part of the environment that I was in. 
could that have been maybe having a relationship with the school that I attended? By the way, I, I went to school in D.C. I attended American University, um, and, and I didn't have that. So part of it is how do we engage communities, universities, as well as um, the network that we have within that environment, how do we leverage it? Something, someone like me, for example. So I, I've had that platform. I've been able to share with people within my network. I've, I've volunteered for the organization. Now I'm starting my own organization. But not, not only keep it at that level, but going to a university, sharing that resource or these resources with that school or students within that environment, that's huge. And part of it, too, is one, where, is it, where, where there is a chapter, there is that advantage, right? D.C., perhaps yeah. in Washington, D.C., we have a chapter. If it's in Baltimore versus Washington, D.C., that, that message, believe it or not, it, it may not get to the schools that are in D.C. per se. So making okay. sure that BDP is not just within certain environments, but it, it goes beyond that environment, regardless of what that university is about. Um, technology, it should be something, and, and regardless now what field you are in, arts or whatever that may be, technology is playing a role. Again, it goes back to the marketing. How do we market it and how do we make sure we're in the right environment to actually do that? So I would love to see BDP continue to do the great work it has been doing. But more importantly, leverage someone like me who's who's now talking about this, who's in that environment. How do we how do we make sure we we collaborate and make sure that message will be beyond us? So next steps for you and I, and I'll let the audience know, that we're gonna connect on LinkedIn and we're gonna have additional conversations about what things can come to pass. Um, when you're down in Houston hey, we'll have you as a keynote speaker for a few organizations, and you can talk about the different ideas and some of the different collaborations that are possible and get the fires burning. So right. to me, that's, that, you know, that's, that's the best first step that I'll offer up. But listening audience, I would ask you, I challenge you, when you hear people asking, tell me a little more about STEM, do you in fact challenge them with what they already have at their fingertips? As Alexima already mentioned, oftentimes people may not be aware that they can be or can feel more empowered when engaging with STEM. So we just had our national conference, and um, I'm curious, in your interaction and learning about BDPA, were you privy to any of the lessons learned from BDPA and some of the experiences of the national conference? I did. Not, not the most recent conference, but uh, one thing I do um, take advantage of is the relationships that I have through BDPA. So I keep up with a lot of folks who usually send things out. Um, that That is something that I'm privileged to, which I'm sure some may not be. So a lot of times, even though I'm not attending an event, I know of what's happening with BDPA because of the leaders that have been so inspirational in, in taking initiative of making sure they get the word out there. So I, I've been grateful for that. That's great. You want to give any shout-outs? Yeah, to Wayne and Milt and I would say Elaine, um, Eileen and, and, and PA. These are folks that I actually met in um, North Carolina, oh my gosh, maybe almost eight, nine years ago, and wow. that I 
still managed to build that relationship with them. It was amazing. Um, as well as, um, my gosh, I'm missing somebody. He's in Boston. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to get me. He's a, but he's, he's also he's a great guy. I thought about you forgetting about him, too. <laughs> so, and i got to give it to you, too. So and one thing I've enjoyed, too, I've been able to go beyond that network. I, I've been able to reach out to a lot of folks from North Carolina to, you name it, throughout the country. That's excellent. Um, so I, I have to say, you know, put on a network, but when people open themselves to you reaching out anytime, you have their phone numbers, you can call for advice. It's something, it's it's beyond a network, you know. It says they build a relationship and they're appreciative of it and and they care about it. So it, it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm missing something. <laughs> well, I would offer up a couple of things. One, given that you're in the D.C. community, you know, the local area there, um, I would ask you, to uh, find out a little more about the SITES program because it sounds yeah. like your audience, your typical audience engagement are high school students as well as college mm -hmm. students or or not college students but maybe even middle school students. Which is it? Mm -hmm. So there are, it is a set curriculum as well as a dynamic uh, and uh, tactical, even strategic approach that we have towards educating and exposing people to various aspects of STEM. And we want people yeah. to find out about what they don't know as well as appreciate the things that they already think they know and also to come and share what they do know. So I would love you to, you know, be in touch, um, you know, be a speaker at, uh, at a local piece over there in D.C. But, again, the red carpet's rolled off for you here in Houston already. And, again, I'm going to challenge all the other chapters out there to do the same in your local communities. Uh, find the people that are passionate, that want to share the message, engage them. Have them come and speak, participate at your program level, and, uh, you know, collaborate with them. Because That's much cool. like Lexi, Lexima here tonight, there are people who want to be engaged. And, uh, you know, my slogan, your time, your talent, your treasure, it's all worth reinvesting back in that audience, that community that wants to know more. So uh, in our remaining time, are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share with the BDPA iRadio audience? I'll say I'll take on that challenge, by the way, Tim. Thank you. Okay. Um, I, I know you challenged me before we got online, but if, if there's one last thing I would share, I would say to anyone who's listening, um, whatever you hear about STEM, it, take it for yourself and be curious. If you hear hey, it's it's difficult or whatever that may be. I tell people STEM is for everyone, but you have to be curious enough to want to know. And if you're curious enough about STEM, you'll discover a lot more and you'll teach yourself a lot more that you would never expect you to find out. So be curious and find out what STEM is all about. Uh, I, I apologize, but you've kind of... Uh my antenna popped up when you said be curious. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend arousing the curiosity and engaging people once they demonstrate that they are curious? I have to say, you know, if you are curious, maybe it's a, maybe it's not it doesn't have to start with STEM. 
But let's just say yeah. the fact that you you have that curiosity. Let's just say you live in a in a community where perhaps not much is happening, right? Maybe in your mind not much is happening, but every community has a lot going on or a lot happening, regardless of what that is. Um, part of being curious, I think, can open the doors to many things. And part of that could be, hey, going to my community or the, the library, finding out what can I do perhaps to volunteer for or with someone who would not otherwise not have anything else. Um, or it could be, hey, I'm curious of what's happening in my community as far as the, the leaders in that environment, what's happening in terms of a particular issue. Be curious can open the door, the many doors, let's put it that way. And ultimately, if that leads to STEM, so be it. But as long as you are curious, at least by having that curious mind, at least you're opening yourself to possibilities. And I would hope ultimately that like means... That. <laughs> Thank you. And I would hope that means eventually finding out, hey, what do I do for myself and how does technology play a role in that? Mm -hmm. What brought you to the title of your organization that you were bold enough to found? Where did the title Women on Top of Change come from? Yeah, it's it's uh, all things. Um, it's a lot of things. But I would have to say it two main things. One, poverty. I've always had this passion for unfairness. I really thought I would be a lawyer. Um, as it turns out, because I migrated here, English was very, actually, I didn't speak any English. So the challenge was to be able to become a lawyer, you had to know American history very well. At least that's what I was told. <laughs> and okay. a number of things. But through Poverty has always played a role in my life. I've also, I have to say, abuse as well. Those two two things have been um, sort of the the um, sort of like my causes for justice, yeah. if I may put it that way. So, so the these inequality or issues that I feel all linked to poverty all could also overcome. Um, it maybe not not completely eradicated, but I do yeah. believe that there is that possibility there. But I, I so what brought me to to women on changes? It does take women to actually say enough is enough, and if poverty, the fact that the number of women and girls living in poverty globally is is massive, it was important for me for one women to play a role, or not even play a role, but lead that mission. Okay. Clearly, okay. we need both men and women to do it. But I think it was important for women to lead it, and then so the girls can follow. So that's why women on change, we ha women have to be on top of change so the girls yeah. can eradicate the problems that are happening. Because I think if women can actually take the lead, we can be great examples for the next generation of girls to curb poverty and abuse that disproportionately affect women. I think you are a great example already, and you've done a wonderful job sharing with us tonight. Uh, radio audience, we applaud you, and um, Lexima, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. It's been a pleasure. Uh, hang on the, oh, it's been, definitely been our pleasure as well. Hang loose. Don't disconnect. Everaldo's going to transition us, but um, I do thank you, and we're going to transition over to Ron and our next guest after this radio break.
BDPA is the premier organization for people of African-American descent in the information technology industry. BDPA exists to advance the careers of African-Americans in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom. You can find BDPA on group site, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, good evening, everyone. This is Ronald Story with BDPA Radio, And tonight we have Lynn Muldrow. Good evening, Lynn. How are you? Great. How are you? Fantastic. Um, look forward to uh, this evening's conversation. And um, before we get started, I want to read um, from your bio and share that with our BDPA audience. Um, okay. Lynn Waldrow is a front-end web developer whose aim is to create or work on teams to create lasting social experiences for users. She is currently working for Cactus Sky Digital, a full-service digital marketing agency providing email marketing, online reputation management, website development, social media, public relations, and automotive solutions. Lynn has worked in the online marketing and customer engagement or support field for over eight years. In that time, she provided web design, HTML, CSS, social media management, user experience, advice, and other marketing solutions to companies of all sizes with an emphasis small businesses and startups. One of the areas we're going to talk about this evening. Lynn is an outspoken advocate for diversity in tech and works tirelessly to increase access to tech skills for women and people of color. She volunteers with organizations like Lesbians Through Tech and Rain Rail Bridge that align with her personal mission and she hopes to inspire future generations to pursue tech-focused careers. Check out GitHub, which has her project past and present. BDKI Radio Show audience will be inspired by the unique journey of this tech diva. Again, thank you, Lynn, for joining in with us this evening. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. and uh, thank you again. Uh, let's uh, get started with the our discussion. So we talked a little bit before coming on air this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I'm in um, sunny, but yet the evening in Philadelphia. And where are you located at? I am actually in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Okay, Baltimore, Maryland. It's a, mm-hmm. a, a good hour to 90 minutes outside of Philly, and uh, we yep. appreciate talking to you this evening. Share with us, um, how did you first find out about BDPA and what has kept you involved? Um, I found out about BDPA via Lane Hicks. I was actually giving a talk, or actually I was on a panel for Capital One screening of the Code Debugging Gender Gap uh, movie, and Wayne reached out to me just to let me know a little bit more not only about the organization and the mission, um, but about this radio show. So here I am, and I'm very new to BDPA, but I am learning um, great things about the organization and the people involved, and I am really looking forward to working with the Baltimore chapter to uh, get it lively and, and do some fun things. Oh, excellent. That's one of the things that we're really looking for, BDPA, as a local and as a national organization, to reach mm-hmm. out to um, others in the IT field 
that uh, may have been um, on the peripheral aware of or not even aware of BDPA and look at their involvement um, on both hands uh, with the organization as well as BDPA with scientific professionals such as yourself. So, again, we thank you for um, sharing with us this opportunity to have a discussion about that which you do and how others can get involved with it. Uh, so tell us more about um, your current position. Is that Cactus Sky Digital? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, at mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm just to share with uh, your current position and, and its responsibility with Cactus Sky Digital. Sure, absolutely. Um, sorry to interrupt. Uh, with Cactus Sky, I am actually a web developer designer, so sort of a hybrid position in which I um, help out with email marketing campaigns, um, and so we build custom HTML templates to send out to tens and thousands of people um, each day. Uh, we work with varied clients, but our niche is the automotive industry. So we work with a lot of automotive dealers. We help them come up with a digital marketing strategy, and we execute on that strategy. So that's uh, from my end. I help with designing and coding the templates that will be sent out for a client. Um, on a daily basis or weekly basis. Okay. And then how long have you been with uh, Cactus Sky Digital? Um, I've not been with them very long. I actually just started maybe a month or so ago. Um, and before that, I worked for eight years, and I still do a little bit of freelancing. Uh, and I've worked for eight years just with clients, helping them with their full marketing strategy. And so this would include very small startups and nonprofits who may not have a web presence, um, I'd help mm-hmm. them to sort of understand the full process of sort of getting on, online, getting a presence, getting their names out there, getting their missions out there, and gaining their first client, customer, or um, volunteer involved. Oh, great. And um, the, 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 your company is a Baltimore, Maryland enterprise or space and servicing? Um, Sure. Cactus Sky actually has two locations, one in Bradenton, Florida, and the other in Timonia, Maryland. Um, my personal company is based in Maryland. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, Columbia, Maryland, and mentioned Florida. What part? Uh, it's Timonia, Maryland, and Bradenton, Florida. Mm-hmm. Great. That's, that's awesome. So you mentioned a little earlier uh, with mm-hmm. regards to, well, in your bio I shared, um, with regards to small mm-hmm. business development. And uh, prior to coming on here, we had a little conversation. And I, and I too, work a lot with small business development from mm-hmm. concept stage through um, startup and into sustainability. And one of the most challenging areas is, um, is in companies developing their um uh, marketing presence and particularly their web presence. And so one mm-hmm. of the things that we attempt to do with um, with our clients and businesses is to look at ways in which they would al- align themselves with the IT firm or IT professional to help them to build out that particular presence. And that would include mm-hmm. the whole, what I call the whole aspect of um of uh, of uh, online media marketing, not just a web page or not just a, a Facebook, but looking at what the incorporating each each of those um, uh, platforms into your particular business. Share with us, our audience, your experience uh, with the work that you've done and currently do 
uh, with small businesses and small business development? Sure. Um, a lot of times, the clients that I've worked with were like either brick and mortar, so um, physical businesses that are not online at all, um, or companies that are just starting really, really early stage startups, uh, or nonprofits that are doing great work in the community, but maybe um, has sort of a, a small web presence that, that they'd like to grow, excuse me. So um, just sort of assessing the businesses that I tend to work with, there are things that I, I like to present. So, you know, because there's a lot of pieces to sort of the marketing puzzle as it regards having a sustaining web presence, um, I like to sort of assess where the business is currently. So say, for instance, for a brick-and-mortar jewelry business, you know, I'd come in, we'd have a discussion about, um, you know, what their goals are, um, mm-hmm. what their current uh, data is suggesting by way of the market, um, by way of interest um, and things of that nature, uh, what is their volume and sales and things of that nature, and, and where are we going to go with building a web presence? And from there, gaining that sort of uh, data and getting the insight from the business client, I'm able to sort of say, hey, you know, I think because one of your goals is to maybe sell 10,000 pieces of jewelry by next year, a really great idea, and I'd suggest from there uh, sort of different social media presences, different ways to present themselves on the web that would position them to get new customers in that field. So a lot of what I did was not only sort of sharing my expertise um, in the overall sort of marketing field, but it was just to really hone in on what they were looking for and help them to get to where they want to go using the tools intelligently instead of just having a website there, actually using that website in order to promote maybe their Instagram where they have several pieces of their jewelry on display, then pulling that data mm-hmm. back and those information and customers back to their brick and mortar business so that, you know, maybe they'll have a sale on the jewelry they've used their Instagram to pull those those uh interested customers to their actual physical store. Um and, and so through their web presence they were able to meet their goals because they were intelligently using the tools in the social media um, outlets. So that is a lot of what I did for clients, just sort of helping them to find their way online. Um, and then I would help to create a presence. So um, being the voice behind their Instagram, being the person that is coding their website, um, using a CMS platform or HTML and CSS. So that's that's some of the things that I did. Okay, great, great. And that's one of the things that, um, well, three things I'm going to touch base on to just share with our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that we, you know, look toward in, in, when we talk about business development is the um, entrepreneur or the business in itself becoming aware of how they will approach their market and indeed share that as you hear part of that in sitting down with the business and looking at their uh, marketing presence, uh, looking at their business plan, what are their goals, what are their market interests. Um, and in that, to, to, to look at ways for them to, to reach that particular market. Um, and, right. and, and one of the things that I see, I see a concept also that's called distribution channels, of which mm-hmm. um, your work and your expertise helps to um, that individual company to move into those various channels. Uh, you mentioned Instagram. Um, you mentioned uh, a web page. And then there's, there's other platforms 
Um, what some of the other platforms that you work with in assisting the business to um, develop um, their presence? Sure. Um, we use all of the social media channels, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, um, and I really base it on what they are doing and what sort of mm-hmm. markets, again, they're trying to reach. So, again, for a jewelry business, because Instagram has, you know, an 18 to 34 um, uh, demographic that is really, really interested in Instagram and what's there, um, you know, and there's a, a separate demographic maybe for women who uh, use Instagram as maybe a shopping platform. You know, we take those sort of known um, known ideas and, and, and data points and we use them and I apply them to different businesses. So um, I will suggest a social media channel or um, a certain web presence based on what they're doing and what they are, what their goals are. So, you know, for the same com- the same uh, hypothetical jewelry company, I may not suggest Twitter um, because mm-hmm. Twitter is, is really a lot more about uh, personal messages and sort of personal branding um, and may not be the most effective use of, you know, marketing dollars and um, time, you know, when Instagram could reach their market much better and quicker. Mm-hmm. So so from what you shared, you, you shared from the perspective that some businesses that, um, um, that has more of a visual appeal that mm-hmm. the um, social media, certain types of social media platforms would be better for them to, to utilize. Uh, you mentioned Twitter was, was more um, not necessarily visual, uh, but more, mm-hmm. um, I guess, uh, you said personal. Um, personal branding um, or cultural mean, branding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest a business or what type of business would be more uh, uh, attracted to using Pinterest, for instance? Sure. For Pinterest, um, some of the businesses that I suggested to use Pinterest were um, clothing companies. or And this was before before the height, I think, of Instagram, because Instagram is such a, a great market to use right now for certain, um, for certain demographics. Um, before the height of that, Pinterest was really... Um, the go-to social network for visual representations of, of items or things. And I think that Pinterest is really good with uh, providing just a really quick way to see a big catalog of what a company may be offering um, at once. You know, I can visit, say, for instance, I can visit The Gap um, on Pinterest and I could see maybe the whole full line Um Whereas a personal, say, for instance, a, a career speaker may not be as effective on Pinterest because they don't have a lot of visuals, but they can use, you know, maybe quotes or things of that nature to pull back to their website. Um, but I would suggest something that has a product that is, you know, uh, photogenic and something that they can market visually um, for Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Oh great! I'm looking for the hypothetical um, an IT company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, say a um, not necessarily um, uh, from a competitive perspective, web development, but an IT company that's providing mm-hmm. uh, other types of cons- con- um, consultation services. 
uh, how mm-hmm. would you approach that type of company? And not necessarily brick and mortar yet, uh, but okay. just um, developing uh, clients, um, uh, let's say something around data management, um, uh, data informatics, data informatics, uh, and providing services of that nature. Uh, how, what would you suggest to that type of company in their development of um, um, in, in the online presence and building their brand? Sure. I think for an IT company, especially a consulting company, the key thing um, that clients will look at the most will be their website. Um, a lot of times, IT consulting firms will have not super great websites. And, you know, if you are promoting that you are, are going to provide a service that is digitally focused, you'd want to have a really, really good and strong web presence so that when a client comes to your site, there are firms that you know what you're talking about. Um, that you apply the same, you know, principles and, and same advice that you'd give them to your own uh, branding. And so you really mm-hmm. want to make sure you have a really, really strong web presence first. From there, I would probably suggest uh, Twitter um, because IT consultants um, especially, they get a lot of their business from word of mouth. Um, and from one company using them, he's saying they did an awesome job with my um, data management, I really think that you should go and use this company. Um, so the more that that company has a personal sort of message and um, is jumping into conversations that are relevant to IT consulting on Twitter, um, they'll be able to get name recognition and eventually uh, clientele from their Twitter and their really strong web presence. So that's what I suggest um, for Excellent. Excellent. Uh, one of the um, uh, reasons that I you know, asked that particular question is that we look at mm-hmm. firms that, that has an interest in going after government marketing, um, right. even even um, on the, on the services side, uh, as far as IT services, uh, or even construction or project management mm-hmm. services. Uh, having that uh, web presence is the first thing that that a, a contract management manager is going to do with any of the agencies at a state, local, or federal level would be to see right. where, where is this particular firm for business showing up online. Um, right. And in, in not having that is, is is not a feather in the cap for that particular business. So that was some great information that you shared with um, how that particular company can begin positioning themselves um, to, to have a presence. Um, and like I said, to the web presence, the visual presence, and then the utilization of Twitter, establishing your brand and, and then keeping that that name consistently out there. Um, so let's look some more about your passion. Um, tell us more about your passion and why you are um, passionate about technology and, and access to technology. Sure, absolutely. Um, I honestly think that through uh, sort of knowledge of tech and through the um, attainment of sort of tech skills, you get indirectly a lot of, of power. Um, there's a lot of power in being able to create something by hand. Um, whenever you have an idea, you're able to sit down in front of a computer and make that idea come to life. And I think that there's so much power, um, especially for our, um, you know, group to be able to do that. Um, and so I want to be able to give that to others. Um when I started my career, I started again about nine years ago, and I was super intimidated by, you know, really hardcore coders and people who were in development back then and doing Java and really 
complicated-looking things, you know, and I stayed away from learning coding on my own first and then uh, via school later. I stayed away from it because I was intimidated. I didn't feel like the tech industry was for me. I felt like I wouldn't fit in. I felt like I would never, like, understand what how to code or, or what things meant. Um, but over the years, I sort of I started gaining confidence. I was able to read HTML, um, and I was able to understand CSS and PHP, and it gave me such a confidence. And when I went to, I attended General Assembly um, uh, for web development, and when I attended that school, again, I felt that same bit of apprehension about sort of learning things where I was in a class of people who did not look like me, who were, I felt, more skilled than I was. And to come out of that, you know, um, with this newfound set of skills um, and to be able to, again, sit in front of my computer, have an idea and create that idea, just it inspired me so much to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, not only make things and, and be creative and, and share my ideas with the world, but to help others to get there as well. It really, um, personally, it improved my situation, gaining tech skills, um, and it uh, really gives me a lot of leverage in the career field. I'm able to sort of go anywhere, um, work in any state, and have my skills transfer. So I really am very passionate about not only getting more people access to tech skills and uh, programming knowledge and things of that nature, but teaching people that it's not as hard as, you know, it's been made to seem. Like these tech skills are out here, they're for everyone, Um, and you're able to learn it, grasp it, and take with it and and run with it. So, Excellent, excellent. So, so Sharon, you started your career in uh, mm-hmm. 98, um, utilizing the computer as a tool, the power of uh, mm-hmm. the tool that can create uh, power from ideas. Um, and you say that your entry into to the field, that you were intimidated from coding and yes. you stayed away from it for a while? Mm-hmm. One of the things in, in, in which that I'm, I'm really glad to have you on air this evening and, and your um, um, newly involvement with um, BDPA is that we also have a, a lot of our chapters um, are involved with our, our high school computer competition of which okay. um, they uh, recruit uh, both at a high school level and even at a collegiate level. Uh, some of the chapters have... Uh, um, uh, partnerships with some of the colleges and have uh, uh, college chapters, but uh, many of our local chapters have a high school um, component. Um, I'll loosely say like an after school program where a lot of the youth mm-hmm. will come in um, on on the weekends and work with learning at various aspects of um, coding, uh, software programming, uh, robotics, uh, robotics programming, and uh, really get their, their feet wet at, at that level and their interest part um, 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 moving forward for that. So one of the things mm-hmm. that in what you just shared is um, the necessity of us to continue to get the word out uh, to those parents, to those students, to those high schools, to the counselors, uh, to let them know of an, of an additional vehicle uh, to enter into IT careers. And that's one of our passions as well at BDP as a as a national organization to um, encourage and get more um, 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 women, well, youth, female, and male African-Americans of color 
to be involved with IT as a career option. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you find as a uh, a young budding uh, professional female that that was part of the challenge or that when you entered into the General Assembly program that there wasn't many people that looked like you? Um, what was that intimidating factor? Sure. Um, initially, as a as a uh, younger person, I felt like it was just a field because I was not as strong in math as I was in English. It really just felt like a field that excluded me because I wasn't good at math. Um, and, of course, this is a common misperception in programming because there's such uh, a diverse sort of um skill sets that you can have coming into programming and, and a diverse uh, range of things that you can bring to the table as a programmer, you know, the perception of having to be really super good at math and understanding a lot of analytical things and being able to um, process things in a, in a really analytical manner is what initially intimidated me. Um, once I learned that this wasn't the case, things, of course, became uh, much easier to sort of understand and process and and, and reproduce as a programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in General Assembly, yes, it was absolutely the fact that um, I was one of very few people of color uh, in the school. Um, you know, there's a bit of, of apprehension because you feel different. You feel like, you know, am I going to be patronized because I am a black woman or am I going to be treated the same? Are they going to educate me in the same way um, or sort of pass me along because I'm, I'm, you know, a minority in the field? You know, so it was a bit of that, um, but as time went on, I really had such an amazing experience at General Assembly in San Francisco. Um, I really wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I mean, I think that a lot of that might have been just my personal apprehensions and feeling different and maybe afraid um, that I wouldn't pick up things as as quickly. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to just sort of put yourself out there, learn new skills, and not uh, self-exclude, you know, not feel like, you know, I can't do this, but just to try. Um, Because what I found that was really amazing was that programming is not, again, it's just not as hard as um, it's been told to to be or made to seem. and having, I guess, a design background helped a little bit, but you know, I'm I'm finding that I'm under, you know, it's, it's easy to understand, and I want to give that sort of discovery to other people. Mhm. Excellent. So, so you shared with us that putting yourself out there and learning skills, um, mm-hmm. and you were able to even overcome that challenge or that 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 initial fear and 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 had that internal drive, again, a passion you shared with our audience earlier um, that, that, mm-hmm. that that made it click for you to say that this is something really interesting in, and I'm going to get it. You know, I'm just going to get involved in this here and learn this, this craft and, mm-hmm. this, and this tool. Um, we have about a minute left. In the, in the remaining okay. minute, can you share with, um, as a final thought, one final thought for our BPA radio audience? Sure. Um, I would say, one, if you have if you're not already in the field and you have any sort of interest in tech um, or in programming, just do it. Like, don't feel that you're going to be an anomaly. Don't feel that, you know, math is really hard and you're going to be excluded that way. Just just do it. Just try. There are a lot of different free resources 
um, to check out online that will give you programming knowledge. There are a lot of um, paid resources that you can look at for more intense learning, but just really just do it. Um, I was able to, you know, transform my life. I increased my salary by $50,000, and, you know, it wouldn't have been the case if I had not just decided one day that I was going to learn these tech skills and just do it. So my advice is if you're thinking about it, just don't even think about it anymore. Just go ahead and gain tech skills and get the power of, of creation in your own hands so that we can build things for other people of color. Well, thank you, Lynn, Lynn Muldrow, for mm-hmm. that um, uh, insightful interview and um, want to invite you back again. Uh, again, this is Everaldo Gallimore, uh, studio engineer. And um, also I would like to um, thank, thank Ms. Lexima, Jean Noir's Lexima, for uh, being on the show. And, um, you know, again, this has been a BDPA iRadio show, October 13th, 2015. And, uh, you know, um, so, again, uh, okay, Ron and yes, Tim. Yes, on the year. Sign and off. All right. So um, I was just saying uh, goodnight to Lynn and Alexima. So, Again, um, I'll let you sign off. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm here. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. So, Ron, close out. Thank you, everyone, for listening to BDPAI Radio. And tonight we had as our guest Lynn Muldrow of Cactus Sky Digital and also Janose Nexima of Women on charge, some training for for youth and disadvantaged girls. And again, I'd like to thank you for our listening audience uh, for BDPA Our Radio. Have a pleasant and beautiful evening. Good night. BDPA I Radio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA I Radio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil, sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, and the Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcasts the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on blogtalkradio.com backslash bdpa with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back 
and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 